0: Good morning, friends. Thank you for being here. It's wonderful to see all of you uh, so bright and early on this Wednesday, the fourth day of our time together. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is the Bible verse that we started with on Sunday in talking about the kingdom of God, in which... I laid out the premise that to be bold in God's service means living into the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is here and becoming, that this is our lifetime work and this is our faith and practice. I referred to a work that I had found uh, by Gerard Guiton and I particularly love the title of this pamphlet that he wrote. And I'm putting this up on a screen because I know some people are curious and, and want to uh, follow up. But I love the idea of the lost radiance. That it, that it is not lost, that it is now alive and with us. But in this pamphlet, I referred to the fact that Wheaton talked about how much early friends referred to the kingdom of God in their writing and in their living I also talked about how our faith and practice equips us for being bold in God's service through our corporate worship, our discernment, being in community with one another, the daily times of solitude that we have, and our vocal ministry. This quote from Parker Palmer I uh, talked about because I think it's so um, emblematic of what many of us long for and feel about our public life today and our government today. And yesterday I talked about how we experience the courage to, with fear and trembling, be bold in God's service. I'm going to skip ahead just one, just because these are a little bit out of order. But using um, this verse from 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7, that um, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. And just to go back to that other passage from Galatians, this is the passage that talks about the fruits of the Spirit. But it's this translation of the message that gives us such a clear understanding of what the world might look like if we're living in the kingdom. Does this describe our life, our communal life, our individual lives? And this morning, oh, let me want do one more ahead. And I also want to just share this uh, passage that we ended with yesterday from George Fox about standing in the light. Standing still in the light. This morning I want to talk about love and a little bit about hope and faith as well. Learning the lesson of love, how do we make trying what love will do a habit of our hearts and minds? How do we apply this lesson of love not only in the life of our worshiping communities, we've been practicing it here with each other over these days, but in the everyday life of buying groceries, commuting to work, changing diapers, coping with illness, maintaining a home, how do we learn the lesson and practice the lesson of love with our parents, our children, our siblings, our partners, our coworkers, our neighbors, and our government? When I was in high school, I read the New Testament a fair amount. Um, I had worked at a Bible camp and I got involved with Young Life and that was a really community of support for me. Um, as a, a Christian young woman, and it be, I became very attached to 1 Corinthians 13, probably because it was so explicit about what love's lo- love looks like. I think sometimes I like to be very concrete. When I went back to read it as a young adult, I was intrigued by the poetry, what I considered to be the poetry of the last line of chapter 12, immediately preceding the so-called love chapter. In the earlier chapters of Corinthians, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about a way that both chastises them um, and instructs. And chapter 12, verse 31 says, and I will show you still a better way. So if we ever get confused about what way we should be acting, Paul's telling us, I'll show you a better way. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or jealous. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. When I became an adult, I put away childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will come see face to face. For now I know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Love never ends. This is the unchanging nature of God's love. It is, and it is forever. This I believe. On the evening of September 11, 2001, the day that the United States experienced a terrorist attack that stunned the world, Hartford Monthly Meeting held a called meeting for worship or a maybe that's too grand. It was we gathered. It was clear it was need, we needed to be together as a community in response to the shock, grief and fear that we so many people in this country and really even around the world were feeling. And in that meeting, a message came clearly to me. I didn't do vocal ministry, but it is a message that came into my heart and has felt like it was written on my heart. And that this is the message God's love is sufficient. God's love is sufficient to cover this tragedy and any other shock, grief, fear, worry, pain in life that I might encounter. Now, when I reflect on this message, I think God's love is sufficient doesn't really quite seem enough. Uh, I really do believe that God's love is abundant but I also see how in the face of darkness, we cannot always appreciate abundance. Just having enough is sometimes what we need to give us hope. In 2016, uh, just two days after the uh, national elections, FCNL held its annual meeting in Washington, D.C. Some people here were there. There were about 400 people that gathered um, for our annual meeting. It's when our general committee comes together to do business, and we always attach a lobby day onto it. Um, On that uh, day, we were lobbying on criminal justice sentencing reform because there had been some momentum to pass it. But when people went to meetings on Capitol Hill, they found that they were providing pastoral care to the staff they met with. We were shocked, but many of those staffers were even in greater shock. They could not even begin to talk about legislation, and they could not imagine a way forward for this legislation to reduce racial disparities in sentencing, although it had had momentum. Just as I knew the presence of God after 9-11, I have witnessed the presence of God in my life, God's love at work, and among friends across this country and around the globe, week by week, month by month, year by year. How do we practice these lessons of love? In Some Fruits of Solitude by William Penn, he advises, let us then try what love will do. Love is the hardest lesson in Christianity, but for that reason, it should be most our care to learn it. When we practice love, being patient, kind, not being jealous, boastful, or rude, we can get better at it. I believe that practicing, really practicing anything, makes us better. Not perfect, but we can get better. So practicing love is no different. And a few of the ways that I practice love are probably the same ways many of you have practiced love. Being a parent, being a mom. A friend in uh, my meeting once said to me that um, she recognized her work as the mother of an infant was really the expression of God, that her child would know God because of the way she was able to express love to this child. Um, I wish I would have known that before I had the child. <laughs> it was a wonderful image to me. And all of us know that, it, that raising children tests us in ways that we could not have otherwise imagined. Same for being a spouse. Having a life partner helps me recognize my own limitations as well as his strengths and his interests that make me care about something other than what my own self-interest. Being a clerk has helped me learn love. There are lots of clerks in this room, Um, and I would include uh, the love that I felt from Fritz. I have to tell you that when I got the invitation to come here and Fritz signed it, Love Fritz, I thought, hmm, I don't think I know him that well. but i have to tell you it's like it just filled me with the blessing it's like this is great he's expressing love in this way and we've seen it in action over these days in washington the most people muster is usually warmly and sometimes usually it's just best so <laughs> but being a being a clerk really made me fall in love with my meeting because i felt not just a sense of of Uh, responsibility, but a sense of care and mutual support, and it made me understand the community in a way that no other job in the meeting helped me do that. Being a boss has made me practice love. I feel very tenderly toward the people who work for me, and I feel like I'm not always great at practicing those characteristics of love. I can be irritable, and, uh, and bossy, and um, so practicing patience and kindness is is extremely important. Because the internet was out, I don't have the exact quote, but many of you might know this quote from Rilke, which is that we need and love to practice only this letting go, for holding on comes easily. One of the one of the um, practices I that I have tried to instigate. In what is really a busy life, and I know many people here feel that same load of busyness, is just the practice of appreciation and affirmation. Um, I have seen it done here on the floor where we are affirming one another, Um, but I think that practice of gratitude and the practice of appreciation is extremely important. I recently read um, Diana Butler Bass's book called Gratitude, in which she talks about not only this practice of gratitude on an individual basis, but the importance of practicing gratitude as a society, of actually having an awareness of abundance and the gifts that we bring to each other in this world and appreciating that about each other. I have found a way to practice love by being a citizen and a community member. As you might have noticed, I have a fierce belief that we should be engaged with our elected officials, and I believe that is a way to practice love, is to care about our government and to care about what decisions are being made and to engage ourselves. I have even experienced uh, practicing love in riding the Metro in Washington, D.C. One of the practices I've tried to inhabit um, is to put down my phone and put down other things and just gaze at the people who are on the metro who I'm traveling with, strangers who I will never come to know, but simply to hold them in that journey, that short, that 40-minute journey. Last night, we saw a graphic example of all the ways that, uh, that this yearly meeting is demonstrating love in work with immigrants and refugees. It was stunning to see that, and thank you, Mary and Judy, for for doing that exercise. One last explanation of uh, showing love. Um, When when FCNL designed this sign, our graphic designer, Emily, came up with this hashtag and love thy neighbor, no exceptions, the first version of it, um, that they brought to show to me is they said, we really think we need, you know, we've, we've used love, uh, war is not the answer for many, many years. And um, so we were talking about how we needed to think about like kind of a new slogan we were going to use, a new, and it wasn't just a bumper sticker, but it was what was, Im- what was emblematic of the work that we were doing. So turning to the Bible, <laughs> we use love thy neighbor. And the first version that came up, they said, we're going to do a sign, Diane, a banner for the outside of the wall that will go up, and you know, people walking on uh, to the Capitol will see this. And it will say, love thy neighbor. And then in parentheses, it will say, that means you, Congress. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I actually think that we might want to rethink that last part. Um because in fact, this love thy neighbor no exceptions has meaning for every one of us. It has meaning for us in this room to think about who is our neighbor. It has meaning for uh, those who would exclude um, majority Muslim nations from coming into our country. It has resonance for the work that people do with refugees, for how we care about people who live near us, or people who live far away across the globe. So. I see this as something that I need to pay attention to in my own life, but I also want to encourage um, others to pay attention to this as well. I want to just speak briefly about faith and hope because those are also mentioned in that last chapter. Another message that has stuck with me from a period of, you know how you, a lot of messages you vocal ministry you hear in worship is is deep and you feel it and you kind of like it sinks into you and it becomes part of you. That's how a lot of vocal ministry is for me. But this message was about um, someone shared having the gift of faith. And I remember it because I thought, I didn't think of faith as a gift. I just thought it was something everybody had. And, (coughs) excuse me, she talked about it um, in a way that made me realize that, in fact, it, it was a gift. Um, I think having faith in God is something that I hope people can share, but not everyone does, and not everyone has faith in humanity. Um, so I guess I, I see myself as having this gift of faith, and part of that gift is coming from this idea of knowing that we'll be, never be separated from God's love. That is the faith that I have. And that certainty gives me courage. It allows me to be bold in God's service. Uh, Two months after I started working at FCNL, I was walking across the Capitol, the grounds of the Capitol, which is just a stunningly beautiful area. There's a lovely fountain there. The Capitol building is quite majestic. It was in the evening, beautiful spring evening. And again, I had words written on my heart, and those words were from the book of Hebrews, which is faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So while the work we do at FCNL is what we say bold, strategic, and we are relentless in doing it, we also do it because of faith, because we believe we are called to do it. And I believe that's true of the work that people in New England Yearly Meeting do and many people of faith across the world do, is that there is a faith that God calls us to this work. And so the outcome of the work is not for us to be concerned about, really. It is doing the work that, in which we are faithful. Washington, D.C. is a place that oozes with power or as some call it, the power of empire. Empire, The decisions that are made, or in some cases, the decisions that don't get made in Congress and in federal agencies affects every one of us. It affects people across the globe. So whether that's income inequality, war and peace, global warming, the malign and the bad, badly managed use of power When I see this and I know that we have power as citizens, as people who have voices, as people who have passions, who have stories to share, and if we don't use that power, then I have to remember that God's love is sufficient, that faith and hope abide. I believe that the power of God's love is much more than just sufficient. I do believe it is abundant and always available to us. I want to share just a minute. uh, As The longer I speak, the faster the time goes, I have to say. So I want to just share a minute and talk about hope. Um, Because I think that all of us are constantly... Uh, not striving, but I think we are, are waiting and are expectant about hope. And, and we, while we find it in worship, there are also more concrete ways we find it. I have to uh, say that the couple of people, as I've said to them over the week, how's your day? Probably about three or four people have said to me, it was great. I got to hold babies today. So I think of holding babies as a way of uh, expressing hope. I think when we learn trust with each other is another way that we're expressing hope. Living with gratitude is a way to express hope. Practicing political imagination, the what if, what if we did this, what if we could make these changes, and building the beloved community is a way of practicing hope. I want to share with you uh, just a couple of images of people who are engaged with FCNL um, I do talk a lot, and people, a lot of people know this because there are young adults from this yearly meeting who've participated with this. This happens to be uh, the March for Our Lives when people came down, and um, this is the front of the FCNL building. But the other thing that we're doing that gives me a great deal of hope is work that we're doing with young adults that is really reaching out to work with young adults beyond only Quakers, as I say, going beyond or the Earlhams, Haverfords, and Guilfords to do our recruiting, but to really try to reach out to states and to places and to people who might not otherwise have the opportunity to come to Washington, D.C. In 2014, 2015, we launched our first advocacy corps, a group of 20 young adults. This is the group. Uh, they were at Sunday worship at Friends Meeting Washington. This is the next class uh, group, different shot. This is the group from last year um, at our annual meeting. And I don't have a group photo yet of the group that was just in Washington, D.C. But to hear the power of their stories, of people saying to me, Diane, I am so grateful to FCNL for giving me this opportunity to learn about public policy, but to learn how to express myself in telling my story. And for many of these people, their stories are stories of having lived on public assistance or stories of having a parent incarcerated or stories of being a DACA recipient. And for these young adults to participate with us and with each other is really powerful. They build a community with one another, and then they're building communities within their own um, uh, cities, states, um, within the small towns where they live. So we're Really, this, for me, is a hugely hopeful message. This is last year in front of the White House um, at the, actually earlier this year at our spring lobby weekend, when they were lobbying on um, immigration issues uh, to try to pass the Dream Act. Um, these When you um, listen to young people who have had this experience, it will give you hope. It will make you think. I should be doing this. (laughs) I should be participating in a way that um, uh, encourages young adults to be engaged and to be active. Friends, I hope that um, your own experience here with one another this week um, is not Um, is is similar to what I have experienced in seeing the beloved community at work. The tender care that you give to each other, both in plain speaking and in um, uh, concern for one another, is really um, not just heartening, but it is seeing the kingdom of God in action. Faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love.